Welcome to episode six of the Into the We Arrows podcast. Oh. <laughs> Maybe we just start with this. So welcome to the unedited reality of me saying the welcome and then be like, oh shit, what are we going to say? So I'm here so with... who are you? I'm Sarah Pendergrass. <laughs> who am I? You're Kristen Fortin. <laughs> Oh, uh, we're in a mood today, guys. <laughs> How about I take over for right now? <laughs> Please do. We are in a mood. All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Into the Wee Hours podcast. We are on episode six now. Um, Sarah and I are actually just taking the opportunity to not have anybody in the studio. It is just us, which kind of works out, I guess, for COVID-wise. We showed up and then there's uh, only a limit of two people who are allowed in. But uh, we're going to try and sneak around that in the future. Um, so it worked out well anyways that we just kind of wanted to take this opportunity to check in and kind of, uh, I guess, give a little bit of an update over the last couple of weeks of how we're going. So, yeah, we'll probably I think we kind of came up with a little bit of a structure for what we'll talk about. I'm sure we'll deviate off of different topics, but just be aware it'll be a fun one. <laughs> It's going to be a fun one. I'm feeling really giggly. This is this is going to be interesting. <laughs> However, as you say, it, we are taking this opportunity to check in. And we just thought it would be interesting, even just for us, to reflect on our little podcast journey so far and talk a little bit more about our experience, where we're recording, stuff we have faced, because it has been, I know you will agree, Kristen, a massive learning curve. We've been, I mean, from when we think back, like even at the start, we thought we were releasing the podcast and then we're like, shit, where's this podcast going? Have we even published it? There's been a lot. Totally, totally. So we are sitting in the Kiwana Waters Library. They have recently set up a really awesome soundproofed studio. So the story goes is that it used to be this like old closet that they thought, okay, well, we can probably get some people in to do podcasting. And um, so Sarah and I originally took a course on like how to do a podcast. And even the chick who drove up from Brisbane's like, this is a pretty incredible setup. So you walk in and there's... I don't know why there's a TV in here, but there's a TV in here. I think you can like hook it up. So if you're filming it, it looks really... Yeah. yeah. Put a PowerPoint on there. I don't really know either. We yeah. Have, needless to say, we have not used the TV. No, <laughs> we are not at that stage. <laughs> Just using microphones is scary enough. Okay. Um, it's got a big computer, but we have been bringing in our own. There's four microphone setups that all look really professional. Um, a Rodecaster Pro, which is a really awesome piece of equipment for uh, recording podcasts and there's like fairy lights so currently at the moment we've just got the fairy lights on so it's a cool vibe i think everybody's pupils get a little bit bigger so we all look more attractive right psychology wise <laughs> so uh future guests just know that uh you'll be looking super sexy when you come in <laughs> um but like sarah mentioned it's been a huge learning experience so um yeah we recorded a podcast and then we went great what's the next step and we went oh wow we we thought there was like two steps. There's about 20. So we had to set up like 
a podcasting hosting platform. Like, what is that? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was a, a really big learning curve for us. Um, and a little spoiler to Cecilia, after your podcast, we thought that it wasn't going to save. So I, I've been using my computer that Phil and I bought um, refurbished from Mac, I'm pretty sure. I don't think this one was new. It's been so long, I don't even remember when we actually purchased it from. And the hard drive was full. So we get to the end of Cecilia's podcast, and I looked at Sarah. I'm like, I can't save it. I can't save it. And Cecilia, we love that you stay, stick around and chatted, but my stomach was like, churning so anyways we got that all sorted but now yeah we're just learning as we go essentially <laughs> we 100 percent are and yeah your your little eyes were wide open that's for sure with the fear and it, i think we were trying to figure out every single possible cloud storage everything else you drove to work with your laptop open to try and save it <laughs> i was desperate i was so scared <laughs> so yeah rookies for sure but it's also that's just been so cool in itself like every day is quite literally a school day um like you say finding out about the hosting platform how we upload to that editing we haven't even mentioned there's just been so much to learn but it's so cool and I feel like I'm just so happy to be doing this with you and that we do work really well as a team which is like we've never done this before and we're doing it I'm proud of us. Yeah, it's good. It's good. So I guess how are you feeling about the podcast there? You kind of just mentioned a little bit about that. But um, I guess what does it mean to you and why do you keep showing up? Yeah, I think, well, I don't think, I know that for me this is about fun. It really is just so much fun. And I know we've had this discussion, but if we had a million listeners or zero listeners, I would still be showing up to do this with you because it's just freaking fun, right? And then the other thing that's been so cool is just getting to know more about you and about other people who I really respect and admire and just, yeah, hearing their stories. And I, I mean, I think take Matt, for example, after his podcast, I was joking that he was going to be famous, but he did send us a nice message. Thank you, Matt, just saying how he'd been receiving feedback from people and how they were enjoying listening to him. And that's 100% our vision is to elevate the voice of the everyday adventurer, the everyday athlete. And so when I heard that, I was like, yeah, this is this is what it's about for me, 100%. How about you? Yeah, I would resonate on that point as well that I don't think it would matter if nobody listened to us. I would still be showing up every time that we could. We're like scrambling. Another thing about this studio, of course, is that it gets booked out. We're not the only people who want to record podcasts. So it's juggling time. But like I'm super happy to make it work. You know, I'm taking a Saturday off so I can work in Brisbane tomorrow so that I have this day off. Like I'm happy to juggle schedules around because it's been so much fun um, that it's really cool to show up. And also resonating on the point of just getting really cool people in. And it's I think it's an experience, and I was talking about this with um, one of my friends as well, that the podcast has been cool. Currently at the moment, we've got our airplane mode on our phone, which we yes. don't get a, a chance to do very often. And I am trying to be a little more conscious about it. I fail all the time about being more present as well. Because if we have a chance to sit down and do this, like, again, no offense. I didn't know Matt. <laughs> Hardly know Cecilia. And I see Crystal all the time. And those are just the people that we've interviewed so far. But if I can switch it on to airplane mode and give them my full presence for an hour to an hour and a half, I don't think that we do that enough. And I'd like to, like, this has kind of been that eye-opening thing that I would like to 
start to do that more. Um, so yeah, I think that's been really special to have those guests in the studio and be really present with them. Um, and it just kind of brings us back to the roots of just having a conversation. I know that's really cheesy, and I think other no, podcasters have said that too. It's not cheesy. Yeah. It's, it's, no, own that. Like, I think that's beautiful, and I am 100%, which I think I've said about three times now, with you on that. <laughs> inverted. <laughs> In inverted commas. No, because how often are we truly present for each other? It's like, yeah, you're sitting with your friends or with your partner and you're kind of got your phone in the background or everyone's just occasionally checking. Like we literally turn our phones off and we are here. Like we are purely here for conversation. It is pretty freaking cool. And it's so simple. Mm. It has made me realize why, why don't we do this more? You yeah. Know, we don't have to be in it. Like the fact that we're in a podcast studio, we don't have to do that. It's a really, it's a really cool learning. It is. Yeah. I, I also love just one more point that I love about it too is um, like I, I play the ukulele and I, I actually keep bees and running, I feel is an expression of creativity too, but this is a whole nother expression of creativity that I really appreciate having as well. Something outside of work and outside of everything else that is just super fun and we can bounce ideas like, all right, what's our angle here? And it gives us a chance to kind of think of that. I've really appreciated having an outlet for that. I didn't realize I was missing something else because I don't play ukulele that often we see the bees every once in a while I mean I run but it's not it's not that overly expressive creativity and to do it with somebody else has been awesome too so I love doing it with you too <laughs> yeah I'm so glad it's a shared journey for sure and it's, a, it's an interesting point about the creativity as well I used to have like an Etsy shop and was a printmaker I don't do any of that stuff anymore like I hardly ever draw like I'm not a musician so yeah this is a, a really different channel for it but 100% is that creative channel. I also think when we when you're talking about being present, which made me think about just being a better human, to be honest, something I've really learnt and become aware of through this is the power of listening and my tendency to jump in and interrupt people. And it's because I'm excited, right? <laughs> I just want to be like, yeah, yeah, I get it. But I've really had to like hold myself back and listen and really listen to what is being said. And I'm still learning that 100%. I definitely find myself trying to think of the next question. And I'm like, I've listened back to some of our podcasts. I'm like, oh my gosh, I actually don't even remember that being said, in spite of the fact I'm so present, because I am also learning this technique of interviewing, which I've never done before, apart from like some PhD random stuff, but that was a years ago. Um, tossing PhD. Oh no, I don't. You're so sound. <laughs> so guys, I, I I did not complete the PhD. Okay, were you about to? Yeah, I, I started a PhD. Did uh, you? Yeah. Oh, far out. We didn't even talk about that. No. There you go. Yeah. Another interesting fact about Sarah. <laughs> yeah. What was the title? It was something to do with um, developing an analytical framework for sustainable agritourism in Scotland. There we go. Wow. But I just realized I was in a very scientific research institute and I am more qualitative than quant. So, yeah, it was not the right time. But I would still love to do a PhD sometime. Mm. Anyway, I haven't ever interviewed apart from those kind of skills back then. And, yeah, 100, like, oh, God, I nearly said 100% again. <laughs> 
So I take a drink every time I say 100%. New drinking game, <laughs> inverted commas, or 100%. <laughs> so I'm, yes, I am still learning how to talk and how to interview. And we were both like, we just broke out into giggles as well, like our tendencies, because as you're talking, I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I'm sitting, you know, practicing my active listening skills as well. Bracing yourself. And then both of us, when we ask, ask the questions, we're both like so amped up from listening for so much. So Sarah asked like six questions. <laughs> I'll ask a question. And then at the end, I kind of question myself like, oh, shit. Like, did, did that make sense? <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny because it's like, I don't notice this at the time. Yeah. And then because, I mean, Kristen, I should say, is the one who's doing all the editing here and we aren't heavily editing as like minimal <laughs> but you you still take time at like putting all the pieces together and sometimes editing stuff um but yeah it's only when we're listening back that I start noticing I'm like wow I apologize I've asked you six questions in the space of two seconds because I'm just not backing my question <laughs> I'm like I'm just going to give you options yeah <laughs> <laughs> So going forward, I'm going to try and be more intentional about asking one question and allowing room for there to be an answer to that. And I will back myself. Yes, I will ask the question <laughs> and not question myself with the question. Ah, funny. So good. Um, in terms of our reach and all of that stuff, that's been pretty fun as well. So as part of the hosting platform that we use, which is essentially like we upload the file we write all the stuff about the podcast and then somehow it magically goes to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and to be honest, we're not sure where else. <laughs> like it gives you the stats for everything. I'm like, I didn't even know what sort of streaming podcast. Yeah, like I've never heard of it. Yeah, yeah. Most of it actually comes from Spotify, which actually surprised me too. Yes, likewise. Yeah. I listen to, I think both of us listen to everything on Apple Podcasts. Correct. So that was pretty interesting. Like, I kind of knew Spotify did podcasts, but not as much. I thought you needed to be, like, a little bit more hoity-toity to get onto Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> like, more well-known. Not yeah. that we aren't, but, you know. <laughs> hey, we're a big deal. We've been listened to in a total of eight countries, Kristen. <sighs> Australia being the top one. I think maybe our, our family and friends reflect the fact that U.S. is leading over the U.K., but that's number two and three. And shout out to anybody in the U.S. in Texas, because I think a lot of those are representative of, like, people that I know and, like, in college and everybody's scattered around. Who's in Texas? I don't know you. (laughs) I've told you. It's Brene Brown. (laughs) We're manifesting that. Yeah. (laughs) But then we also have a random listener. Whereabouts? So we have a listener... In Argentina. Hola, mi amiga o mi amigo. <laughs> and they have only listened to your podcast. I can break oh. it down even further. <laughs> there you go. And then I don't I, know if they even listen, they downloaded. <laughs> and then I put them off and they didn't listen to any more. <laughs> I can speak more in Spanish if that'll bring you back. We'll see what happens. So yeah. there's Australia, US, UK. Argentina, yeah, New Zealand, yeah, Belgium, Switzerland, and one in Ireland. Hmm. I, I think that European poll is definitely all you. I don't know anybody in Switzerland. <laughs> <laughs> 
little bit of French. A little well, bit of... well, and our guests can change this as well because Cecilia is obviously going to be bringing in all the, the Swedish Finnish contingent. True. So. Yeah, that's quite funny. <laughs> but yeah, that's just been it's been fun to to see that stuff, and you really do get a lot of insights into it. So it'll be cool to see that going forward. Um, yeah, in terms of you, you talked about the setup of the studio. We've been super fortunate to be using this resource. Um, it was launched as a free resource, which was so cool because if you start looking at the cost of hiring a studio, it really starts to add up. They are now going to start charging. And so we've been looking at getting our own equipment. It's a really tricky one because the sound quality here is so good. And what we learned in the workshop and have I guess experience listening to other people's podcasts is echoing, that's a really poor word, mirroring that sound quality outside of a soundproof studio. Like if you're in a house, you don't have that soundproofing, quality can really go downhill and we really want it to sound good. But anyway, we are looking at getting our own kit and I think that's all been part of the journey as well as just like the cost there are costs to doing this and I know I've always heard podcasters talking about that but to be honest I had no idea I just assumed you can chat into your I mean you probably can't chat into your phone but there's web hosting for our actual podcast web page where we put the show notes there's the hosting platform for the podcast to be sent out into the ether and then yeah there's either studio hire or kit costs so that's something we've been looking at hey um with that in mind we have been wondering, I mean, we're very new, but we have been wondering about setting up a Patreon account. And as Kristen said, like if zero people were listening, it doesn't matter. <laughs> we're doing this for fun. But we are curious, like if there would be an interest in like literally throwing a dollar our way <laughs> to contribute to the cost of us purchasing kit. We don't need it. We will do this regardless. We love doing this and we will make it happen. But yeah, I'm kind of curious about community as well because seeing other podcasts you see a community build with that as well which is pretty cool too agreed (laughs) (laughs) so yeah um any sort of feedback about if anybody is keen to like help us out with patreon or anything like that um as well as just feedback overall we have gotten a couple people who have like given us a bit of feedback here and there um, like for the future, we will be putting show notes in with references to events and books or whatever we talk about that is worth noting. So thank you for that listener who gave us that feedback. Thank you. Um, and yeah, so any sort of feedback that you've got for us in terms of if our conversation is on point for what you want to hear, even if it's not, sorry, I probably don't care because yeah, <laughs> I'm still talking about it. <laughs> and if I talk too fast, sorry, just hit the, the slower thing on yeah. the podcast. <laughs> Point five. <laughs> um, also, we want kind of a call to if you do have anybody that you would like to hear, we don't have a, um, a limited list by any means, but it would be cool if you do have someone that you would, you know, has a pretty cool and interesting adventure story that you would like their voice to be elevated because we might not know them and we might be able to showcase them, which would be really fun as well. So if you do know anybody or you can even nominate yourself if you've got an awesome story, like it's it's super fun. We'd love to have a conversation with you anyways. So yeah, any sort of feedback, definitely happy to take that on as well. Yeah, if you do have someone in mind that you'd like to hear from, if you can just email us on podcast at gmail.com 
or slide into our DMs <laughs> on Instagram. <laughs> it's probably the easiest way. Or just reach out to Kristen or I if you know as well, obviously. <laughs> awesome. So anything else about the podcast that you'd like to note? Mm, I don't think so. It's a good little timestamp for us too is where yeah. what we talked about beforehand as well. Just like, oh, yeah, that was kind of fun when we were still learning everything. And yeah. And when that's right, because remember how, well, we still kind of do it, but we like set it to publish at, say, 5 p.m. on Sunday. And then we were like refreshing, refreshing. This is the first one, like refreshing, like it's not showing up. Like maybe it'll take a few days. And then we realized we hadn't even connected Apple to the whole thing. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's been a lot. And then I think the last one, we both thought we set it to publish, but we hadn't. And we're like, oh, it's not there. And yeah. Kristen's like, yeah, it's, we haven't published. Yeah. <laughs> we said save and we wanted it to publish at five o'clock on whatever the Sunday or whatever it was, but we didn't actually press podcast. So <laughs> Libsyn was like, all right, cool. I'm just sitting here. <laughs> uh, we'll keep learning. I'm sure we'll mess up in the future as well. But yeah, it's been super fun. So we just wanted to kind of timestamp that a little bit for us, but also share our experience with the podcast too. Um, so Sarah, how are you? How are you going? It's an overall oh, statement. I know. It's, it's Yeah. Um, how am I going? I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. Um, I feel like I'm going through a bit of a period of change in many regards. Um, I've had a change in job recently. So um, I was working for Atlas Events in a marketing capacity. So Atlas own and operate some mass participation events like Sunshine Coast Marathon, which is It'll be like a six to eight thousand person event. Wow. Um, Brisbane Marathon, which is a few thousand, Cairns Marathon, and a bunch of other events. So I've been doing that for the last couple of years, um, which I absolutely love. Like it's just combining events, which I love, running, which I love, and marketing and content. So it's it's perfect in that sense. But yeah, I've decided to um, freelance now. So I am just really working through building another business um which will be freelancing marketing and events i've started like i have a client already um for a brand new ultra event that's coming to the coast which is the noosa ultra trail so that's freaking exciting um and yeah just i'm looking to see what else i can help with in terms of you know events or yeah that marketing side of things so i've been pretty caught up with all of that stuff like talk a little bit about the um the event that you are planning um yeah. just give a little shout out and <laughs> let everybody know because it's a new event so nobody knows what it is so any locals <laughs> yeah so it's it's a brand new event it's coming to noosa in march of next year it is um going to be run on the noosa trail network there are various start lines depending on which distance but essentially the event precinct is at Tawanton. So it's kind of, for many of the events, it's this cool journey where you're running from Noosa, essentially from town, out onto the Noosa Trail Network, which is this beautiful network of trails. Um, and kind of different to a lot of the rest of the sunny coast. It's not rainforest. It's not techie. It's just like open tablelands, really beautiful views across the coast to the mountains and to the ocean. And yeah, so the, the longest distance next year will be 80Ks with the aspiration to be running a 100-kilometer event in 2023 once it's a bit more established. And then you've got through like an 80K, a 50K out and back, a 25K that's going to be a really fast point-to-point that starts at Twin Hills Lookout, which is a really nice lookout up in the Noosa hinterland. And then there's going to be a 15K as well. 
So yeah, I'm stoked to be working on this. It's actually, funnily enough, an event that I had previously pitched to national parks pre-COVID. So I'm already passionate about this area and the opportunity for the network to be used for a race like this. Um, it's it's currently being used for some bike races, but this is all pretty recent. Like the, It has been a fairly neglected network, I would say, in terms of events, but there's so much opportunity there. So yeah, it's going to be um, a festival of trail running. There'll be some other activities available as well, like lifestyle stuff. So if you're not a runner, but you're coming with a runner, maybe you're going to do some yoga or you go for an ocean swim or just hang out on the beach in Noosa. It's going to be a really cool combination, I think, of that running community, but also just appreciating how freaking beautiful Noosa is. Yeah, and making it accessible to people too, right? It's not that techie stuff that sometimes people get scared of coming from the road onto trails. It's all very accessible if you don't have too much trail experience that if you yeah if this was like a first event that you were looking to do it'd be really appropriate for that yeah it'd be the it'd be the perfect crossover if you're a road runner or um a triathlete or anyone just who's curious about trail there's still like some pinches like there's a bit of climbing in there um and so it's still challenging if you are an experienced trail runner but it's not technical underfoot yeah That'd be really cool in that sense. Cool. So you're doing some freelancing stuff and just figuring all of that out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, yeah, otherwise, um, I guess we can talk about the doggos later, but I've been busy with my pup, Ness, who's now seven months old, I think. Um, And yeah, I've been struggling a bit with my back injury, obviously being a recurring theme um, and kind of got out of training. And I'm now just trying to get back into it, to be honest. The old cycle. Mm, <laughs> classic. Yep. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Need to just start increasing my mileage on the bike. I've started running more frequently, and that's actually Ness is the best personal trainer because she's still little, so I don't want to do too much with her. But it gives me an excuse to be like, okay, I only ran for half an hour, and my ego of not only I know that's the thing. My like previous <laughs> persona can just be like left at the door. It's like, sweet, I ran for half an hour. Yeah, it's awesome. Yes, let's just embrace that. Cool. Yeah, and you've been doing hypnotherapy. Yes, and I, I have. actually haven't heard about how it's going. Yeah, <laughs> so that's been a new experience. Have you ever done it? No, I've, I'm always the one in the crowd that is like. <sighs> I don't know how real it is, but I've seen – so they did it at our – we had a senior overnighter at high school, and they brought in a hypnotist. And there was some who could be hypnotized, and there's some that couldn't be hypnotized. Mm. And then they did it through a work Christmas party. They had a hypnotist there as well. And some could be hypnotized and some couldn't. And we, you know, speaking to people who could be hypnotized, they're like, I kind of knew what I was doing, but I had no idea why I was doing it. So me coming from a psychology background, I'm like, what's the power of this? Like, how is this actually a real thing? But I never really looked into it. It always just was there if I have seen it. But that's my only experience is being in a crowd while somebody is hypnotized. So no, I haven't actually physically done it. Yeah, it's. I didn't know very much about it, to be honest. Um, it was a recommendation from someone. Well, first of all, let's just be clear. This is like, it's a clinical hypnotherapist. I'm not going to be like, I, she doesn't turn me into a chicken or anything. <laughs> you don't have I'm like aware a click of. word. Yeah. <laughs> and then you go crazy. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's not like that Paul McKenna thing where she's like sleep and I just kind of seem to pass out. And it is interesting when you talk about people who can and can't be hypnotized. My understanding is that you, you can never be made to do something you don't want to do. There's definitely the power of suggestion in there, which is also where like the healing side comes in. 
But yeah, my first session, <laughs> me being me, when she was like, okay, we're going to do some hypnotherapy or however she introduced it. And she started talking. It's like, I've got my eyes closed. And I was like, there's no way she can hypnotize me. <laughs> you were going in there like full defensive yeah. mode, like, ha, I'm going to show you. <laughs> that makes sense to pay for a session. Exactly. <laughs> but whatever was going on in my head, I was like, I just don't think she can do this to me. <laughs> well, maybe it's, uh, we like briefly, and we can talk about this later too, like a little bit of the ego of oh. what comes from a, nobody wants to say that we've got ego, right? But like we kind of all have this like mental toughness, like you can't break me. I've done you know, all these big events and stuff. Maybe it was a little bit of that too yeah. that came into it. Yeah. Like a control thing maybe. Yeah. yeah, yeah like control. I'm not going to live yeah. this person. I, I don't know. But um, I I think she did hypnotize me because it's, it's one of these things like I don't know what everyone else's experiences are with this, but my personal experience, and that's what I'm talking to, is I was there for an hour and a half and it felt like about 10 minutes. Wow. And I can remember stuff but I also kind of can't like a dream um yeah kind of yeah and afterwards I honestly feel like my brain is rewiring it is incredibly strange like I have this sense that my brain is doing different stuff like firing in different ways Mm. and that's I mean that's part of the suggestion as well but it has just been I guess there are two things that that work for me with it so far, and I am pretty new to doing this, is I've done a bunch of work, um, like talk-type therapy, and that was huge for me initially because I was never someone that talked about my feelings. Like, really, I feel like I kind of grew up, like, I'm just going to be hard, like, wartime spirit. We don't share our feelings. Um yeah, just get on with it. I am fine. Like, it's my favorite phrase, right? I'm fine. Um, and I could She'll be, be like, right if we're in Australia. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I could be feeling awful inside, but it's like, no, like, I'm proud and I don't express my feelings. That has changed considerably. But that's where, like, that talk therapy requires you to open up and to accept that, right? Whereas this, I can be not feeling like talking and I don't have to talk. Like, she will ask me questions, but I pretty much think I just have like one word answers. And then there's like some, not a conversation, like she'll like suggest stuff to me or help me see things in a different way. And it, like, I really do see things and it, it, it reframes stuff for me. And it's things that if I was in a, like a normal, like talk therapy session, I'm really drawing on my conscious and I'm questioning myself and I'm pulling myself up and I'm trying to, I'm always just trying to say the right thing, right? Because I'm a people pleaser and I just want, you know, yeah, you're fixing me, sweet, thanks. Whereas this, like, you have to allow yourself to get into the state, but it's like you're drawing on this different level. And I still hear myself trying to correct myself, but I try to not do that. Mm. And it is, all it is, I think, is like this deep state of relaxation, so I'm, I feel like I'm aware of what's going on. And sometimes I'm like, am I hypnotized? And then she'll say something like at the start, it'll be like, try and like, she gets you to imagine your eyelids are really heavy. And then it's like, just try and open your eyes. And I'm like, I can't open my eyes. What? You know, <laughs> like, okay, maybe I'm hypnotized. And I'm like, stop talking in your head, Sarah. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But it, it is just a steep state of relaxation yeah. and just allows me to maybe access like some 
I don't know if it's more honest, but it's just answers that are coming from a different place mm-hmm. where I'm not trying to correct myself and be right. And you've done a lot of meditation as well. Mm. What's the difference? What are you finding between them? Yeah, that's a really good question. I actually, since I've started doing the hypnotherapy, find myself going deeper in my meditations. Mm, interesting. Yeah, okay. I literally was just thinking about that yesterday. I feel like it's helping me access a little bit of a different space. That makes yeah. sense because everything that you talk about for hip, hypnosis mm. is kind of, I think, what I get from people. I'm very much a noob in meditation. I think I've been in a meditative state maybe twice, Mm -hmm. but it takes a lot for me to get there. Um, But that's I think that's what everybody's going for in that hypnosis state that you just talked about. So they must have crossovers. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think there is such a thing as self-hypnosis, but I don't know what that is. But in terms of meditation, is it a practice that you have? No, no. Like we did it... Uh, senior year in high school, I took psychology, mm. and Mrs. Miss Heckman, I think, was her name, because um, I went went on to study psychology because I loved her so much. She was awesome, yeah, cool. and she did meditation with us, and that was my first exposure to it. And I did get into a state of meditation. Mm-hmm. Might have not been super deep or anything, but I was like, oh, I definitely like I know something changed at some point in that session. And I think I did it a couple other times. I like like what a lot of people will give the excuse. It's all excuses, right? <laughs> it's probably not a priority as well for me mm-hmm. where it should be. I just have never prioritized it. Um, but I do find a lot of – like I have done self um, – like Wim Hof practicing yep. with the breathing. Like breath work, yep. And that for me feels really good. Mm-hmm. So I haven't wanted to dive into anything else, and I do that very sporadically too. It takes about 20 minutes for me to go through that whole – there's a – YouTube channel on yeah. it or something like that that takes you through. I am super interested. It's just never been something that I'm like, I'm going to take the time to meditate. I did the Headspace app mm-hmm. yep. for maybe 30 days, but it was only like five minutes a day and then you had to pay for it. I'm like, I don't know if I can pay five bucks a month. Like <laughs> that, And that was my blocking point. And then I didn't do it after that. Yeah. It, yeah. It's interesting. I actually, I do use, I do a lot of different styles of meditation. I use the Headspace app every now and then. I use the sleep stuff on it actually whenever I wake up. Um, I use the sleep meditation on Headspace. But I think it's it's interesting that, like you say, the reality is you ha- you have time to meditate if you want to and if, totally. you're, if you're curious about it. Totally. But also you, it doesn't need to be long. Like it can be a three, like as simple as three minutes mm. can it be a shift, you know. I think when you're starting, you potentially need to sit for a little bit longer because the first three minutes you're like, what's my grocery list? What am I doing today? What are the dogs doing? Um, <laughs> it's very hard to meditate when you've got dogs in the house. <laughs> click, 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 like the face. <laughs> yeah, but I did one day while I was meditating find Ness just come and lie beside me very quietly. And I do oh. have friends whose dogs settle when they meditate as okay. well. I've also had Ness like bite my face. So <laughs> get onto the roof. <laughs> Parkour. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she didn't get on the roof. Sarah's very responsible pet owner. <laughs> she didn't get onto the roof like three times. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, anyway, but yes, interesting. How about you? How are you going, Kristen? Yeah, I'm good. I am good. I had a nice run. We can talk about training a little bit later mm. as well. I think Kristen, as an overall human being at the moment, is like I say this all the time. I've probably been saying it. For however many years I've been in Australia, like it's all same, same, but different kind of stuff. 
Um, I work a lot, so like that's most of my time is working, which I really like doing. I'm at the National Canine Academy up towards Noosa Way doing a lot of dog training. I'm operations manager there, so I'm kind of always on my toes. Every day looks different, which I love, but it can, of course, also be exhausting. <laughs> so it's just finding the balance of um, I, I like working, but I don't want it to be something that totally defines me in the same way that I don't want running to totally define me in the same way that I don't want being a wife to totally define. Like I like having different asset, assets of my life. Um, but sometimes work does take a bit of a preference. So yeah, when it's really busy, that tends to come to the forefront a little bit. Um, but it's awesome. We get these really cool breakthrough moments with some of these dogs that's like, ooh, this is really cool. And then just having, like, Ness come in for a daycare <laughs> session. Like, it's hard not to smile. And even just yesterday, we had a couple of puppies in the in the daycare pack. And we just kind of sat back, and they were licking our face. And I, was, I looked up. I'm like, hey, we're getting paid right now <laughs> to have puppies yeah. just crawling over and licking our face. Like, my 12-year-old self would have been absolutely kicking me with excitement to know that I'm in the job that I'm in now. So it is really amazing. Um, so I'll take the busyness for some of those really cool moments that we get. And it's fortunate in these COVID times that we have, that I, I only came in during COVID. I don't have a asset to like, they definitely survived COVID really well and came out super strong the other end. So I'm grateful that they did come out the other end and was able to hire me. So yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff going on at work. Um, I love doing the podcast. Uh, running's great. Uh, we're planning a trip to Northern Territory, so Phil and I are going to meet up with some friends, do a bit of a road trip, which is a little terrifying because it's a lot of time in the car. I'm not terrified to sit next to Phil. Like, we've spent so much time together over the last 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> so that's not an issue. It's just the sitting in the car, like, uh, and a little bit of the ego stuff too with training, which we can talk about it as well. I'm a little bit nervous about how to keep up training um, while we're on the road. Have you been up there before? No, and we'll be in some pretty remote places. Yeah, cool. yeah. Well, so you have cool. the vehicle for it. Yes, so yeah. So Troopy's going to be all loaded up. Yeah. Dogs will stick around here. We half thought about bringing them, but there's probably too many national parks that we just don't want to miss out on if we're going that remote. We've got to do that stuff yeah. because um, it, it'll be a trip that we're like, I don't know if we'll come back here. Um, we have actually looked at doing the Larapinta Trail. Oh, yeah. Um, but just for the time off that we had and getting getting there with flights and stuff and wanting to do it appropriately, not rush through it or mm. anything like that. If we had maybe like five more days, we probably could have pulled it off. But we were like very last minute almost going to do the Larapinta Trail, <laughs> oh, okay. which would have been awesome. Yep. Um, so, yeah, we'll meet up with a couple of friends. That'll be super fun to have that trip. Um, I am a terrible holidayer planner, though. I, I'm actually terrible at planning everything. I've been finding out lately. It's the highest. Yes. Yeah. So we're also in the process of um, getting our house all planned. It's pretty much at the stage that's just with the builder and he's quoting. It's taking a lot longer. COVID, all the um, supplies are on back order, so it's hard for him to do the quotes. But Phil has done almost everything with the planning. He's like, what color white do you like? I'm like, I don't know. I mean, they're too colors of beige <laughs> so for me i'm like and it, that might be because i'm working so much that i'm making all these decisions at work for example like i'm like i just want to be at home <laughs> but i also want a new house <laughs> so phil's doing all the planning for the house he's doing all the planning for the trip like i'm so grateful for him he is 
amazing. So I'm like, I'll just keep doing the grocery shopping. I'll make the dinners. I'll do the lunches and stuff because that is brainless for me. I don't have to think about it, but at least it fuels him to like keep planning. It. It's, it's teamwork. Though, <laughs> it right? is teamwork. It's awesome. totally like I will cook and clean and keep keep him alive (laughs) if he can do all that planning stuff yeah so it's working out well yeah it's going well other than that i'm just i'm i do miss my family a lot Mm. i even get a little emotional just talking about it too kind of over the covid stuff i'd love to see them again oh yeah it's it's so hard i i was thinking about this the other day that there's been a lot of talk about it in australia at the moment how the rest of the world is opening up. So my brother, for example, he lives in L.A. He's just flown. He's actually in New York, but he's just flown from the States back to Scotland. And so I FaceTime my mom and my brother. Now I'm going to start getting upset. Yeah. FaceTime my mom and my brother together. And I was like, I literally have no idea when we're going to be able to get out of here. Like, we're so fortunate in, in the sense that we've had so much freedom. And now it's like when it comes to travel, I mean, even... As we talk, if you want to travel interstate right now from Victoria to Queensland, you have to be a Queenslander and you have to hotel quarantine for 14 days just interstate. Yep. So the thought of international travel, like I've just been blocking it out, to be honest. Yeah, because if you you have to, right, or else both of us are getting a little teary as we like (laughs) kind of think about it because it's so hard. Yeah, I'm sure all of our international people who are in Australia can probably attest to that and then families who are... Back at home, you know, the inverted commas of home, (laughs) whatever that means, yeah. Yeah, just, I know I've had quite a few friends recently who have had babies in Australia, and, like, their family can't get here to see them. They Mm. can't get over there to introduce this new member of the family. It is, it's one of those things that would you have moved to Australia if you had known that you would not have the option to just fly home whenever you need You know, like I have always lived by, I can just jump on a flight. If anything happens back home, I can just jump on a flight. And we do not have that option right now. Mm. So, Mm. yeah, sending love to everyone in a similar position. And and also incredibly grateful for our our relative freedom. But, yeah, interesting times, that's for sure. It is, yeah. I'm sure everybody's over it. But, yeah, just wanted to put it out there. That always kind of comes up into my brain. But Mm. other than that, it's all same, same, but different. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was thinking, did we talk about your beekeeping in your initial interview? I don't think so. I don't think, think so. we did. Yeah, Do you yeah. want to talk like a little bit about oh, that? Oh, Phil and I, yeah. So uh, Phil and I are both apiarists. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> that is the official beekeeping term. Uh, we have, so how we originally started is one of Phil's friend's dad had been doing beekeeping. And Phil looked at it and went, oh, I reckon I could do that when I'm retired. I'm like, how come you can't just do it now? Because <laughs> I was half interested too. And there is a series on YouTube of this Canadian guy. So for probably a month, we watched every single video of this Canadian talking about, I'm totally doing a terrible <laughs> Canadian accent, eh? <laughs> about beekeeping. And we're like, you know what? It doesn't, doesn't look that hard, doesn't look that hard right? So we found a hive down in Logan. So we uh, locked the car and drove down to Logan. <laughs> Just 
just perpetuating the stereotype. Uh, we picked up this like full hive. It was, I think it was pretty neglected. He just didn't have time to take care of it anymore. So it was definitely like it needed to be pulled with honey. So, so full in terms of full of honey. Honey, yeah. yeah. Okay. So we plopped it on our friend's property out in the Glasshouse Mountains where he lives. He's got this awesome little spot. So it's right next to a macadamia farm. And macadamias need bees to um, produce macadamia nuts as well. They need that cross-pollination from the bees. Same like avocados and stuff like that as well. Um, And you get awesome honey from it. So he's got that. There's eucalypts. There's a bit of um, uh, paper bark. Like just mostly like really hearty pollen for the bees to to get so the honey's really good but i remember the first like talk about learning curve for podcasting mm. the first day was hilarious so we we pulled up in troopy and we had already set it up so you set it up at night when the bees all go to sleep you can get the whole hive and then you close it up and then you plop it on the thing and you come back maybe a week later after they're a little bit settled into their new location and so phil myself and our roommates at the time clem and liam we all showed up like Maybe we only had two bee, bee suits at the time. So two of us were in bee suits. I think it was Liam and Phil in bee suits. And then Clem and I had our picnic chairs out and we brought the dogs. It was this whole thing where we're like, we'll watch them beekeep. It'll be fine. And they get in there and they've got no idea what they're doing. So they're shaking the bees around and there were bees everywhere. <laughs> like the uh, bear got stung on his leg. Moose still has this tiny little bump on the tip of his nose because he got stung. And we were just running around like crazy. Crazy. It was hilarious. It was in my hair. I had my hair up and you could feel it. And it was just, oh, oh my God, it was hilarious. So talk about steep learning curve. I now know a whole bunch of information about bees that I never thought I would know at 31 years old. <laughs> it's so cool. I love it's that cool. you do this. How much of a time consuming Not that much. It? Yeah. So we've got about five hives now because um, oh, wow. we just keep splitting them. We bought a couple other ones and they're, they're, some of them are pretty strong. Again, whole different conversation mm. about, yeah, about all that. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got five hives. Most of it is done during the summer. So yeah, yeah. when everything's in full bloom, we do have to kind of get prepared for macadamia season to pull all the hives beforehand, make sure it's going to be all fresh for them to like have mostly macadamia when they bring it back so there's not too much different honey and stuff. There's all this different stuff. It's not that much time, but when you do it, you need a full day to do it. Yeah, but yeah. we might only do it maybe every two to four weeks in the summertime okay it's just fun it's yeah so that's cool. another cool thing I to do yeah. yeah so b&m honey yes indeed. <laughs> bear and moose honey i haven't tried it i'm gonna have to get my hands on yeah some. it's pretty good it's so pretty good cool. so yeah <laughs> so um we spoke a little bit touched a little bit about your training um mm. how is your back feeling how's your training going give a little update on how all of that is yeah, my back is pretty awesome, actually. Good. And funnily enough, I what I didn't mention with the hypnotherapy was I went in there saying, oh, like, my back is a bit sore and that's been affecting me because I haven't been able to train, right? I didn't go there for my back, but I was just like, context. And the first little hypnotherapy thing she did with me after, she was like, how's your back? And I was like, um, I can hardly feel my back pain anymore. So she was like, oh, it's probably like some emotional stuff going on here. So that was really interesting. Um but yes, it's great. And yeah, I like I like I mentioned I am just getting back to running. Ness is the best little training partner for that. Um and riding my bike. Um lots of ums. I have talked previously about Hunt 1000, the bikepacking event that goes from Canberra to Melbourne over 1000 Ks. They've just actually announced the date for it oh, or they they have a grand finish. Okay. 
So essentially you choose how long you're going to take. Um, it looks like we would be going at the end of November, essentially, to get to Melbourne for the start of December. In all honesty, I've been questioning whether I can do it. Um, it's huge. Like it would be the biggest multi-day event that I've ever done. And I think the most grueling, really. And I've had all these questions, being completely honest, in my mind about, mm, this is going to be a lot of type 2 fun. I feel like I've kind of proven that I can put myself through pain. Like, what is my motivation for doing this? Like, why am I doing this? Do I want to be self-supported for 10 days or whatever it's going to be out in the wilderness, pushing my bike up hundreds of kilometers of hills? Like, hang on. I, I've always just identified as someone who likes doing hard stuff. And it's like, am, am I still that person? Or why was I doing that? So that's been like this whole emotional side to it. And then obviously topped with the fact that I just haven't got off to a start with my training as I want to. I do, however, think I, I want to do it. Um, have you found your why? Like, do you have a really solid why now that you've had that reflection? Yeah. So for me, this journey is going to be about it being a shared adventure. I've I've really leaned towards doing stuff on my own. I love doing solo stuff. I've got plenty of reasons for that. Um, but yeah, for me, this is like, you know what? Let's see this incredible part of the country that I've not seen. And let's do this as a shared adventure and suffer together, <laughs> essentially. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that's where I'm at. I am I am nervous about getting my body in shape for it. Um, I, I do believe that mentally I can do this, but I want to be as fit as I, I can be. And I, I honestly, I have fear of being the weakest link. There are four of us that are looking at doing it. I'm like, God, I don't want to be the person that's holding everyone up, right? Um, but it's like what we spoke about with Matt of like going into the adventure because it's a team aspect. Mm -hmm. As long as everybody's on that same page, yeah. it doesn't matter if you're the weakest link, like make sure that the goals are aligned with everybody and everybody's on that same understanding. It sucks to be the person that's like, Hey, I'm going to be the one to hold everybody back. But as, as long as it's out in the open before you guys are all suffering, <laughs> then I think it'll make it a little easier too. And they're choosing to do the adventure with you too. Like there's a reason for that that you also have to take into account, right? Yeah, I um, I yeah, that and that definitely comes back to like a self confidence thing as well. Totally, which we both I feel like sometimes. <laughs> everybody lacks sometimes. Yeah, indeed. I'm like, oh, I don't want to impose myself on other people, and then they're like, oh no, you've got to do it. I'm like, oh, do you want me to be there? <laughs> like it's. Oh dear, a whole minefield of stuff, right? Totally. That's a whole different, like, entire podcast <laughs> there, really. We're also getting Luke on the podcast. Maybe we can just. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Bring in the psychologist for a session. <laughs> I, like, half expect that to go. <laughs> um, so true. But anyway, so I, I'm super excited. I am nervous, um, but super excited as well. So I think that's just. Now I'm at the stage where I'm going to speak, like I kind of dropped off the training program with Matt during my back stuff. And that was not through him as a coach. That was me just being like, I can't, I just don't know what to do. And I can't face not meeting any training goals right now, but I'm going to get back on program, refocus, have fun and yeah, just work towards this goal. So nice. that's where I'm at. Cool. How about you? We talked about Black Hole 100 previously. Yeah. How is that all going? Still, I haven't pulled out. <laughs> I still yes. have my spot, so that's good. good. And that is still where my focus is. 
Um, I told you this morning that I did a 20K loop. I thought it was going to be 18. I just needed two hours. I just did easy trails. I won't name the trail network because I took the dogs and they're not allowed. <laughs> um, but it's going good. I'm feeling more confident, but I definitely have a... Uh, yeah, I mean, I used to be like 4, 4.30, wake up every day, like alarm went off. Yep, cool. Not even skipped a beat. It was like I turned off my alarm and took the covers off all in one fellow swoop, even through the middle of winter. And I have I, I know that I was thinking even in the moment, I don't know how I'm doing this. I think it was just a habit. So it's been a struggle to get back into that habit. And we spoke about as well, if I don't do it in the morning, I have to do it in the evenings. Mm. And man, motivation lacks in the yeah, evenings. I think my runs are better in the evenings because I'm a little bit more fueled and awake and all of that stuff. I've used the toilet. <laughs> yeah, that's a very important factor. It is, yeah. yeah. Um, so it's been hard to transition into the morning, but I had a really good morning run that it kind of – it didn't feel as swift and easy as it used to in my previous training years. But I hit the alarm, had a second – and then I took the covers off and I was like, okay, cool. So I'm hopefully getting back into the the swing of the habits. Um, I've been really careful about trying to carefully load up, um, but also recognizing I think there's something like the event keeps posting 97 days. So there's something <laughs> around 90 days until the event, which is approximately three months. Yep. So I am pretty conscious that I do have to start ramping up yep. pretty quickly. Um but I'm feeling okay. Um, I've had plantar fasciitis in the past. I can feel a little bit of it creeping in, but I think – so also coming off of my shoulder injury, mm. that's pretty much all – like my strength is there. Everything's good. But they're – like I forget who it was. It might have been my GP. It might have been the specialist. Say that about 5% of people when they dislocate their shoulder have ulnar nerve kind of damage yeah. or stuff like that. So I still don't have full grip in my right hand. So even turning on, I've got like a really old 2003 Hilux that Phil got me secondhand. And it's kind of, it, it feels funny, but it's a heavy key. I still can't turn my car on with one hand. I have to bring my left oh, hand boy, over to turn the key, car key on. Um, so I guess with physical therapy and stuff, like my shoulder hasn't stopped me, but that's still kind of a conscious thing that I have to deal with of going physio and going these specialist appointments and all that stuff. Um, so when we talk about like uh, injuries, I still consider myself a little bit injured because I'm not mm. fully back up and running. But they're saying that it might not fully come back for about 18 months to two years because nerves are just so much slower. So I'm just waiting to see a neurologist. But of course, I'm bottom of the list. It's not a life threatening condition. So people who go in, you know, with seizures and stuff, like obviously they move to the top of the list to see neurologists. Um, so that's all. I guess that's probably more in the bucket of like, how am I going? There's all that kind of playing into me juggling my training and stuff too but other than that like my running's feeling pretty good so uh oh that's the reason why yeah so I was I have gotten plantar fasciitis in the past going to these physio sessions she's great because she does everything really full um full body mm -hmm. so while I'm doing rehab on my right arm with my shoulder she might be having me go into like a single leg squat on my left okay and then she's going oh, well, I know you're here for your shoulder, but do you know that your glutes are definitely not firing, which means that your hips are out of joint, which probably is contributing to your hammies, which then goes down into your calves, which is really where the tightness is, which is probably why you're getting plantar fasciitis. Chain, and yeah. now I'm sounding like Megan and David Rush on the <laughs> 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 Um So that's been an interesting eye-opening thing too. I've always known that, 
But for her to go like, there it is, and me go, oh, light bulb moment. Like, people have told me that a thousand times. But if you're not listening, it won't go into your consciousness. So I've been trying to do a little bit more of that. So that's been helping out with my running as well. That's and then so in terms of your training, are you purely running and then doing physio stuff, or are you doing any strength? Yeah, doing strength as much as I can, probably once a week, twice a week if I'm lucky and I have the motivation. <laughs> Trying to do um, an upper body, a lower body, and if I can do a little bit of like eccentric stuff, so like jump training as well too. I've always found that that helps because I'm on one leg, which running really is just moving from one leg to the next. So trying to get a little bit more of that balance component in there too and some jump stuff, which I always like to do. It keeps it interesting and fun. Nice. Yeah. Oh, no, that's awesome. And good that you recognize that works for you as yeah. well. Yeah. And I am so stoked that you had that big run this morning. Like, yeah. That's, that's a milestone, right? It is. Yeah. Like we, you were saying, you know, I ran just 30, 30 minutes and mm. it's all perspective because we both know where we have been. A 20K or a two-hour run – I know I have been in a place of like, oh, well, that's like the back end of the longer run that I did the day before, right? So it's just all different spots, and I'm just recognizing the process. I'm being super patient, and I know that my black all time is probably going to be nothing like it has been in previous years, and I'm so okay with that. Like, it'll more be a victory lap of like, it's been two years of me trying to get back here, and I'm so happy to be here. So if I make it to the start line and I make it to the finish line, it'll be an awesome day. So that's you, all my expectations. Uh, so I reckon I'll still get there. You will. I might crawl across the finish, and that's totally fine because it'll be an epic story. <laughs> I look forward to seeing you at the finish line, and yeah. I don't think you're going to be crawling. <laughs> I'll have a smile on my face regardless. Usually I cry at the finish line as well, like just a little bit, because yeah. it's so grass right? Like you've been at the yeah. finish line. It's like all these people just like slow clapping in this like, quiet room. Oh, yeah. I just did kilometers. And then I wipe it off. I'm like, it's fine. Ring the bell. That's it. Yeah. So, so cool. yeah. Yeah, that's all good for me. What about uh, you mentioned Nessie Poo? I did. And, I, little and I was thinking, yeah, because you did your run with your doggers this morning as well. Yeah, Ness, Ness is good. We are finding our groove. Um, I do not consider taking her back to the breeder every single day now, which was the reality. I'm not going to lie. Like, I went through a phase of just, like, I'm pretty stressed. This dog is pretty stressed. And what the hell have I done? But we've found our groove now. It's not to say she doesn't swallow a sock every single day. (laughs) (laughs) The fact that she's still alive is amazing to both of you guys. Let's shout that out. Yeah, I'm just going to touch with that she seems pretty bomb-proof. So let's hope that continues because... My lax parenting in that respect isn't helping her any. But no, we found our groove. Definitely um, the bike has just been a saving grace. So I ride every morning with her beside me um, just like for half an hour. I'm very conscious of her growing, but that's awesome because she has to exercise and she has to focus or she gets run over. So that's really cool. Starting to run with her. She's doing really well. I'm using a lead around my waist. It's not very good for leash skills and all of that stuff. But you know what? We're having fun, so we'll get there. But yeah, she's cool. We've done some camping trips. How's she um, going camping? She, uh, you always have her in your stories and photos where <laughs> yeah. she's very nicely on her place. I'm like, how long did it take to get you there, Ness? <laughs> <laughs> what are you saying? My stories reflect reality. Um, yeah, so it, this is van camping. I should, I should say. So in my van, Brian, I've been taking her. I have not taken her in a tent yet because I'm pretty sure she would just eat it. 
Um, <laughs> maybe just get a Target or a Kmart one to start with. She just have her own one. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we've been van camping. The first trip we did, she was too young. I drove up to Agnes Water in 1770. Oh, is, I remember you coming. Back. Yeah, like honestly, I was just ready to jump off a cliff. Um, yeah, tell that a little bit more, oh. like how that went, because I think it it brings back the reality yeah. of living with a puppy, a coolie puppy. Yeah, like that. Um, yeah. So I this was a while ago. She was pretty little. I thought, oh, I'll take her up to seventeen seventy because it's kind of doggo friendly on the beach there, and it's beautiful. And I just needed a little break. Is it like a six hour drive or an eight hour drive? It's, it's, it's like pretty a, big. I think it's like a six-hour drive. Mm. So drove her up there, and I'm like, when I get in the car, I drive, so we don't stop. So we drove her up there. I was so excited. We got to the beach. It was beautiful, like absolutely beautiful. Put her on the lead, and she just lost her mind. Like she was attacking me. She was attacking the lead. She just would not walk anywhere. She'd obviously just been so fed up of being in the car and then so overstimulated by the beach which is something I really need to watch with her but she absolutely lost it so I had to carry her off the beach with her like squirming and people like laughing and I'm laughing and inside I'm like I hate you so much I have come here for you I could have put you in the kennels and I'm literally having this conversation with her (laughs) she's just like basically just flipping the bird at me um (laughs) so that was that we went to the campsite and um she wouldn't settle in her crate so I let her into my bed she then vomited in the bed and I was meant to be there away for the weekend and honestly like if if it hadn't been such a long drive I would have driven home after the beach because I was so fed up but it was too I was just too tired it was too late stayed the night and left like as early as possible and drove home it was just the worst trip and I hated her and she hated me (laughs) (laughs) I think that's really important to note working at a dog training facility the amount of times that I get people coming in with their three or four month old, actually, no, Ness is probably a little bit worse than everybody. <laughs> it's actually more around like seven or eight months of age. So oh God, I know that. you're probably still in for something else too. Oh, I trust But them. like these puppies just go through this like kid stage and they're going, I've had dogs in the past and my dog was never this bad. Um, and I don't want to be rude, but I'm kind of like, well, what did you expect? And do you really like honestly, truly remember the puppy stage? Mm with the dog that you had or do you remember if your dog lived until 14 years Mm -hmm. that you actually had 12 really awesome years which overshadowed the first two years of being absolute chaos so I hear it all the time so you're not alone you do have a working breed though so it's maybe a little bit overstimulated but I think it's important for people to recognize that having a puppy is huge I do not envy anybody who has a yeah me me neither (laughs) me neither and you know you say that people come in and say oh I've had a dog before I had a border collie before and she did live live to 13 and I remember her being a nightmare as a puppy so I thought I was prepared no I was not prepared for Ness she is like next level oh here we go so professional I my, my phone is on um airplane mode but my ipad is not oh so good just it's a learning experience me. oh wow <laughs> anyway funny. so with ness but we have improved and with the stories you are seeing with her in place she actually 
yeah, I just have to make sure she's had enough fulfillment, exercise and mentally. Yes. Um, and she will chill out now. Cool. She's like freaked out by the, like whenever I have a bonfire, she's like, what is this? And yeah. he's really keen to get inside it. But, um, <laughs> Ooh, warm. <laughs> yeah. Other than that, and I do let her sleep in my bed in the van at the moment. And talk about starfishing. Like I find myself in a tiny corner of this like queen size bed in my van and Ness is just sprawled out and I can't move her. She's like a dead weight. I'm like classic. Uh, I am not a pack leader, let's be honest. <laughs> But I, yeah, I'm confident you guys will, like, it sounds like you've already gotten into your swing. I'm confident that you'll be in a swing. Yeah. Well, yeah, She's yeah. a good girl. She, <laughs> she has her moments. Yeah. And yeah, how are Bear and Moose going? Yeah, they're good. That they're was a good. good long run for both of them this it morning. It was, yeah. Like I mentioned, uh, kind of in the intro stuff that Moose has been doing more running with us, like, he's keen as beans, man. Like, it's so been good. awesome. So, um Bear just keeps kicking around. Like, I keep waiting for him to slow down. Because how old is he now? He's nine, and he's turning 10 in December. He's a little bit gray now. He's gray, man. Like, he's an old boy, but he... I I don't know what we're doing, but it's working. He still feels to me like he's six years old. Um, Maybe a bit more creaky hips and stuff, but not even in a way that I would have expected by now. So I'm super grateful for that. I'm cherishing every moment I can because I will be a wreck when that dog goes. That Mm, is literally, he's my soul dog. So, I mean, publicly, we got Bear at two years old. And he was, he came from a family with a, like, little kid. So the little kid was starting to pull on his tail and throw rocks and stuff. And Bear started to growl. And she went, look, I can't get rid of the kid. I have to get rid of the dog. And she was really, she was very upfront about, I don't have time for this dog. I think he would have been a terrible puppy, Mm -hmm. like, nest status. Mm -hmm. So the fact that she had him until two years old, like, I give so much credit to that woman. (laughs) And he has always, she's, she was very upfront about how anybody who came over, he was very, very barky and like very, it looks like a guard. But then of course, if you go down and pat him, like he melts into butter. Um, He's always been terrible with skateboards. So that's something that I've had him for seven years and have never been able to get out of him. I can put him in a sit and he has a job to do and he can sometimes let a skateboard or a bus go by, but just as a dog owner and I think I know a little bit about dog training I still have not gotten that out of him so he's always been really on edge with a few things we showed up at the house that for like our first meet and greet with bear and he didn't bark at us and we walked in she's like this never happens like this is amazing and so we're like oh well maybe it was a fluke we had an old Subaru maybe it sounded like their car or something like that then I came once by myself when Phil was working, mm. didn't bark again. Oh. Phil came once by his himself and Bear gave a little bit of like a like a growl and then his ears went back. Mm. So he's like, Oh, it's you. So he kind of always felt like he was our like kind of a, a part of us already. Mm. We already had that understanding. So it was really easy for him to come. And then I would run with him when I had no friends. So when I when we first moved to the coast, yeah. like I didn't know anybody. So I met friends because we had Bear, right? Yeah. And it's the talking point. Mm. So I owe a lot to that dog. I will be an absolute wreck when he goes very, very publicly. I will be in a depression. <laughs> so I'm cherishing every moment. Yeah. 
Yeah. He's a special weasel, and you've shared so many trail miles together totally. as well. But it's awesome having Moose come along. Like, yeah. he is getting fit. He so is cool. awesome. So even one of our friends came and was like, Moose is looking good. Like, he's looking stronger, and he's looking, you know, like he knows what he's doing, and he's out on the trails, and they have these little moments of the unnamed trail that we go on that they might dip their toes into a water resource (laughs) that they're not supposed to. And so they come out and they do these zoomies and Moose is like, I'm going to beat you! And he like tries to do zoomies faster than him. It's so fun. Like I am all, I'm terrible at running with people now. I really actually, I just like running with those guys. I put in a podcast, don't have to talk. I find so much joy being out on the trail with those guys. But it's taken a lot of work, too. So Mm. we were babysitting our uh, old roommate's dog, Penny. Um, She's like a wolfhound cross-border collie, I think. Who knows? She looked beautiful. (laughs) She's amazing. She was wonderful. But she went on her first trail run with us as well. And I had to kind of take that step back. So Moose and Bear have been running with me for quite a long time. So they kind of know the drill. They can both run off lead. But because I trust them, really Bear only goes probably like 10 to 20 meters in front of me. He really is pretty good about checking in because I kept him on lead for so long. So I didn't try – like I know Penny's a good dog, but I kind of wanted to take it that step back. And I realized, oh, man, I remember how much work I had to do with them of being on lead, having trail manners, um, just because she didn't know anything. (laughs) So it was kind of a good like – Oh, that's right. I did do a lot of work to get to this point of pure enjoyment of just letting him be able to run and be off lead. And Moose will go a little bit faster. Sometimes he drops behind me and he just likes going his own pace. And I really enjoy doing that because there's not a lot of places on the coast that you can have them off lead and have that trust. So, yeah, they're going great. Um, Yeah, there's not too much else to say about him. I love him. <laughs> oh, definitely an inspiration for me. Even the little trail runs I've had with Ness, I'm like, this this is it, right? I wanted a trail dog. And this is my, like, vision coming to life. And it yeah. fills my little heart. It so. does, yeah. <laughs> you talk about Ness sleeping in the car, too. So when we take Troopy, yeah. <laughs> the dogs sleep in the car with us. Oh, okay. Nice. It's, yeah. oh, it's, That'll be cozy. <laughs> exactly. It is, it's cozy with me and Phil. And then Moose usually tucks himself into the corner. Bear usually doesn't sleep on the bed anyways. No, neither of my dogs sleep on the <laughs> bed. <laughs> but Bear has nowhere else to sleep, so he's usually, like, right on my left-hand side or, like, on my head because <laughs> there's just not that much room. Generally, we'll go camping in a spot that I'm just I, – I would always just be a little bit worried about, like, other animals around. If we put them in a crate, for example, I, I just don't know, and there's nowhere else really to put them other than the front seat. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I laugh about that with you <laughs> and Ness starfishing. And her Ness is only little. Like, gosh, she's just going to keep growing as well. Yeah. She won't be too big, though, hey. My no, boys are both just... about 17 kilos. She'll be around that. Yeah. Maybe a little Legs less. and ears. All legs and ears. Man, she could be a supermodel. (laughs) Just like her mom. I got it from my mama. (laughs) All right. Well, I think we have achieved what we wanted to achieve. A little bit of chat, a little bit of uh, training and podcast and dog stuff. Yep. The important things in life. So we had started to ask our guests a little bit late about their uh, wildest we, and you can talk about the origins of the wildest we. 
Yeah, so um, the wildest we, for those of you who are hearing this for the first time, comes from this group of little girls who are learning to mountain bike um, on the coast with my friend Jackie and Matt. And um, they can't hold their bladder <laughs> requirements <laughs> for an hour. <laughs> so they asked to go for a wild wee. And that was the first time we'd heard of that expression. And it's pretty cute. It is. So we're now cute. asking people about their wildest wee. So with that in mind, Kristen, yes. <laughs> because we didn't cover this, what is your wildest wee? All right. So I I did think about this because we both were like, oh, we should ask because <laughs> we missed it. Uh, my wildest wee, so when we were doing um, our ski season in Olympic Valley, skiing mostly at Squaw Valley, um, there was a guy whose home mountain was Squaw Valley. His name was Shane, Shane McConkie, and he died in a base jumping accident. So he was just always on the edge of everything. He would um, ski off cliffs have these self-releasing skis and then base jump off these incredible, incredible stuff. So it'd be places that, you know, oh, well, that would be awesome to ski, but there's this huge drop-off so he could actually ski some of these places that nobody had ever touched. So um, he had this game at Squaw Valley because Squaw Valley is also um, where the Olympics were. Mm -hmm. And it's a very, very well-known mountain in the Tahoe region because of that. So there's a lot of wanky people that come there. Like, I'm talking your spider gear. Um, I don't know what it is in Europe, but, like, spider's super expensive. <laughs> They've got their vocal, like, tiny little skis that they're, like, carved ski. You know, it's just, like, all this, like, all the gear, no idea. Like, epitome of it. It's quite expensive mountain. It was cheap for us because I was working there and he got a season pass. Like, it was pennies for us, right? But if you're just coming up from the Bay Area, it's all these Bay Area families. So lots and lots of ego and everything like that. So Shane came up with this game called the Game of Gnar, which was Gaffney's numerical assessment of radness. So he skied with these other guys and uh, the Gaffney brothers. Gnar just made sense that way. So he would have that, you know, you could earn points. There's a whole book on the game of NAR, and you earn points by skiing through these, like, little crevasses or, you know, jumping off these cliffs and stuff. So he basically, they routed the entire Squaw Valley so that you could earn different points in these different sections. And then they had bonus rounds. (laughs) So your bonus round was you could ski the whole day in, like, um, women's lingerie, and mostly men were playing, right? (laughs) You could mono-ski for the day, and you could get all these points mono-skiing. And you could pee midline. So (laughs) if you stopped, like, right on the fingers and took a pee, you got, like, you know, thousands of points (laughs) because it over, like, people on the chairlift can just overlook and see you. (laughs) So Phil and I were never that game to do any of that. But when we did our ski season down at Parisher, we uh, found this, like, cool little spot to uh, do some backcountry skiing. Mm-hmm. So we hiked up this mountain, and we came to this big bowl. It was quite open, and it had a bit of a range of the Kosciuszko Mountain range and stuff. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to drop my pants right now. 
I'm going to get some NAR points because we had, like, had this running tally since our season. So, I mean, nobody saw us. It was, like, very private, but that would have been my wildest wee was just in the middle of the Kosciuszko National Park with my pants dropped. Earning some bonus points. Yeah. How good is that? Yeah, so that was pretty good. It. <laughs> it required a little bit of the follow-up to understand why we did it there. <laughs> oh, it's perfect. I absolutely love it. So, Sarah, what is your wildest wee? Mm. <laughs> yeah, so my wildest we, I, I had a lot of options, <laughs> but I think I'm actually going to go back to 2006. I just finished uni and I went and traveled on my own for six months um, around mainly South America. And um, part of that trip... Argentina? I, Maybe that's where our Argentina is. <laughs> <laughs> They're just waiting the for this moment. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, well, I only jumped into Argentina briefly for Iguazu Falls, but that was it. I would love to go back. I'll come and meet you, whoever you are. Um, so, yeah, it was in Bolivia, and we were high up um, on the salt flats, the Sala de Uyuni, and I think that's like a three and a half thousand meter elevation. Like, I remember really noticing I like tried to run and it's like just run out of curiosity not run run um and couldn't breathe like you really noticed the altitude but it's this spectacular spectacular landscape of salt flats like just miles of white glimmering salty hexagons like if you don't know what it looks like google it because it is just stunning but yeah so it's my wildest week because it was so spectacular I'd never been in an environment like that before and there's just no hiding as well so it's like I was with a tour group you know you're all just pulling your pants down taking your little wild wee and then hopping back in the land cruiser classic <laughs> very <classic>. simple <laughs> that's awesome I love that that's so cool all right well that's been super fun it's been a nice little catch up for us and yeah. that's definitely something I love about this as well so thank you totally thank you everyone as ever for listening we do appreciate you and yeah catch you next time catch you next time thanks guys well we were also talking about it we might do this kind of a bit maybe every six to ten episodes so a little bit of that uh intermittent schedule of reinforcing it might be positive and you go excellent i'm gonna wait for the next episode or it could be negative <laughs> we'll see how we go flexibility is definitely the heart we'll of definitely this. uh see the uh, stats after it anyways but yeah thank you for listening both sarah and i are having fun even if you're lo- not listening we're still here <laughs> <laughs> so good <laughs> all right thanks guys thanks for listening to another episode of into the wee hours podcast to get in touch, you can find us on Instagram at Into the Wee Hours Podcast or email us at Into the Wee Hours Podcast at gmail.com. Sarah is all the gear, nay idea, and that is N A E for all you non Scots people. And Kristen is at Kristen Vaughton on Instagram. To read the show notes or to find out more about fast packing and bike packing workshops, visit intothewehours.com or follow at intothewehours on Instagram and Facebook. Happy adventuring and we'll talk to you next time.